What is a catechism? Welcome to episode one of Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. Today we're covering what is a catechism. We're doing an intro to to be a Christian and Anglican catechism, which is the official catechism of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Father Kurt Hine, Rector of Light of Christ Anglican Church in Georgetown, Texas, joined today by my co-catechist, Father Isaac Rayberg, Rector of All Saints Anglican Church in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, but before we dive in, let's begin with a prayer. Okay, it's good to be here. This is a prayer by William Temple in our, in our uh, provincial prayer book, number 73, A Prayer of Self-Dedication. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills, that we may be wholly yours, utter, utterly dedicated to you, and then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare of your people, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Great prayers. I always love the all the different prayers that we have in 2019 Book of Common Prayer. It's, it's one of my favorite features, absolutely. Yeah. So, catechists, catechizing the catechumenate with our catechisms. Isaac, what the heck are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, catechesis is a, is a wonderfully venerable uh, tradition in the, in the Christian community. Um, we, we see going all the way back to ancient days, uh, where there was a class of, we could almost call them pre-Christians, mm. that were called catechumens. Um, you, your, your Greek, I believe, is better than mine, uh, uh, Kurt, so uh, you want to give us a background on the word itself. Yeah, so that the word in Greek is katecheo, and we, it, it's actually used often in the New Testament for oral teaching, so teaching that's done by word. And one place it occurs is actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 19, where Paul says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct, that's the word catechism there, or catechize, uh, in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So sometime during, you know, maybe the next year as we go through the catechism, we may break out in tongues. But what <laughs> Paul is telling us is that he would rather us catechize. He says that's much more important. They're both very important, obviously, but to teach what the mind can understand so that we can know the Lord that we love and love him more is really what catechism is all about. And, and in the ancient church, uh, one of the things that often happened was that there was a three-year course of, cate of catechesis for new converts um, yeah. before you could... Um, not even not just just have the sacrament but even witness the sacrament you were kind of dismissed after the liturgy of the word um to learn for three whole years before you took communion that's right that's right and in fact um i visited an orthodox a, 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 Rum, a russian orthodox church and they still ask you to leave if you um have not been baptized uh, before they they go into the liturgy of the table so they would still retain that ancient practice but yeah uh so catechisms go all the way back. The earliest is first century, Didache. Mm -hmm. uh, you may be, our listeners may be familiar with that, the teaching of the 12 apostles, which is a, a very simple instruction into the faith. And in fact, um, 
some commentators believe that Matthew chapter five through seven, the Beatitudes and the teachings that, that stem from the Beatitudes, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, may also be um, in there as a catechesis, as a catechism. Um, so yeah, it's something that we see practiced throughout church tradition. And then in the Reformation was revitalized for various yes. reasons. Yes, the uh, the Reformation era was a great time of catechesis. There was a lot of uh, kind of unofficial attempts during the Middle Ages to revive it, but it didn't really get off the ground. Um, and and I, I find myself thinking that the printing press may have really helped with that. Um, you know, we started to get, you know, more literate people, more 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 uh, easy to distribute these sorts of things. But um, especially among the uh, the Protestant groups. Um, you know, forming official catechisms was a big deal. Um, our own Anglican tradition begins, um, we, we have our kind of the first uh, skeleton of a catechism as far back as the 1549 Book of Common Prayer, which is very similar to the, to the catechism that was included in the, in the classical Book of Common Prayers um, down to, you know, even, even continuing, continuing to be published today. Um, but there were also a tendency to have larger catechisms. Um, we never had really an official one, but um, Bishop Noel in the, in the late 16th century had made one that became very popular for a long time among us. Um, what, what's really the difference between kind of a larger and a shorter, uh, uh, Kurt? Oh, catechism? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I grew up, both my parents grew up um, Lutheran, and so... Uh, they are very familiar, and I became very familiar with the with Luther's small catechism. So the small catechisms are meant to be uh, me memorized as part of the process of a a young person preparing for communion and 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 confirmation. Yeah, confirmation. And, uh, and so the the shorter catechisms are are really built for that. In fact, a funny story when I was being when I was in the process of being confirmed. In the Anglican tradition, we I was memorizing the 1928 small catechism, and the and the and so my parents just gave it to me and they said memorize this and so I did, <laughs> and then I came back and they wanted to test me and so they asked me the first question they say, what is your name, which is the first question in the catechism, and I respond, N and N N. <laughs> <laughs> you know I that was about nine years old. Yeah, that's great. And they're like, no, you're. You're supposed to say your name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, That's so yes, yeah, so those smaller catechisms are meant to be memorized so that you have a basic understanding of the faith before you're confirmed and before you partake of the sacrament of the altar. And uh, the our our current uh, catechism in the province is not one of those. No, it's not. It's uh, it's long, but if if you're tempted to complain that it's so long, then just remember that in the early church you had two to three years. That's right. Teaching. That's right. So it's not that long, but yes, it's it's not it's not made to be memorized, and it's not made for like when you read the preface, it's not really made for that child um, basics. It's it's really geared more towards like the ancient church, um, unchurched, dechurched. Um, maybe underchurched uh, adults. Right. So, so our catechism, let's see, how many questions does it have in it? Questions 368. Uh, 368 questions. And of course, the Reformation 
I think it was Luther that created the question and answer format, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, for, for catechisms. So it follows that. So, so we chose to have this larger catechism. What was driving that? Why not continue in what has been tr more traditional in the Anglican way to have just a small catechism included in the prayer book? Why did we do the separate catechism thing? One of one of the people on the catechesis task force told us that um, part of the reason for not having a small catechism was they didn't want um, the content of the larger catechism to be ignored, knowing that our default will be to, oh, that's shorter, that's what we're going to use. And um, a, a big part of why a, a larger one is needed is that we we're in an age where um, assuming people know the basics of the faith is just not an assumption you can make. Right. Um, there are a lot more unchurched, dechurched, underchurched folk, um, even even in a nation that still is, you know, at least on paper, majority Christian. Right. For now. <laughs> For now. Yeah. But but yeah. So there's a lot of ignorance of the basics, and we're getting a lot less of the basics of Christian theology through through osmosis or through teaching at church. And so I, I like, I like this catechism. I, yeah. I like how it's set up, you know, it's not perfect, but I think it does a very good job at, at, at following the reformation tradition of catechisms. Yeah. Um, which by the way, how, how do, how are those generally structured? Oh goodness. Okay. It's gonna, there's, there's three main things we want to learn. Um, the, the three main basics are going to be, um, how we pray, mm. um, what we believe, and what our duty is. So um, belief, duty, and prayer. Um, that's actually the proper order, belief, duty, and prayer. Right. Um, and so the, the classic uh, goal was to, to, to know the Apostles' Creed, the, uh, the Ten Commandments, and the Lord's Prayer, but that's a very, very, very basic format. And so um, what this catechism does is puts a lot of flesh on those bones and really gets into the nitty gritty of each, each aspect of what we believe, how we, um, what, what our duty is, how we pray in that, in that we have the sacramental um, uh, basics of sacramental theology. Um, but, but for ours, we even have a section before that even before we get to, okay, yeah. these are the things that as a Christian, you're probably familiar with. No, we're okay. We're going to assume you don't know anything. Right. And we're going to go to the very basics of the gospel. I, I really appreciate that about our catechism. So yeah, so an overview here of the way our a way our to be a Christian Anglican catechism is structured. Is it structured at the very beginning with an evangelistic, I would say, right. A few evangelistic questions and answers to just make sure that people understand the very rudimentary basics of the good news of Jesus and um, are called to respond to that in a real heartfelt way. And um, this represents, of course, in, in the Anglican way, we have the, what are called the three streams, evangelical, Catholic, and, and, and Holy and Spirit. Um, this represents very much that evangelical stream, um, which I very much appreciate. Like, it's, it's important that we have, um, not just once, but many times in our life, that, that encounter with the real God, the living God, and Absolutely. that changes us. We can't just go through the motions. Um, we can't treat doctrine as a textbook. 
that this is all meant to be alive. It's all meant to be lived. It's all meant to be believed in and trusted and, and open up reality to us. And so I appreciate that. So it, it starts there and then it moves towards the, the creed. So what we believe, the Apostles' Creed, and, and moves through the creed to teach that. And then it moves to prayer uh, through teaching the Lord's Prayer. And then from prayer, it moves to the commandments, the Ten Commandments. Um, so it's interesting that it's ordered like that. Um, I think maybe that's the Anglican, uh, would you say uh, our emphasis is more on living out the law, living out God's commandments from a perspective of, of what God has done for us. Um, that's more how we tend to view the commandments in scripture. Whereas Lutherans, for example, would, they would certainly put the commandments before. Um, I, th I think they would tend to tend to see commandments as, as more showing us our sin and they would have maybe a slightly different uh, organization there. Yeah, the the, uh, the Anglican tradition definitely has a uh, a big emphasis on on our on our duty and looking at the commandments in in that in that um, uh, vein. And and probably a, a weakness of the tradition historically is is if we just assume those earlier things, um, those those basic beliefs, like like you were saying, um, we can flirt with kind of a moralistic approach. Um, you know, this assumption, okay, we, we know this now, what do we do about it? Um, so we, since we already know this, we kind of take it for granted and we, we right. ought not take it for granted. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's a big, that can be a problem, but, but yeah, we, we definitely have our historic preaching, our historic teaching, um, has been very heavy on, um, how do we live out our Christian life? And, and the 10 commandments are seen as, as very much as the, uh, this is, this is the structure for that. Right. Right, that's good. So, so this is Christianity 101. A great place to start, obviously, but let's say that you're somebody that is a theology nerd, or you think you've already gone through a confirmation or a, a catechism before. Why do it again? I mean, oh, we always need to be reminded. Um, we never, we never outgrow the catechism. Um, I, I believe Luther had something very specific to say about that, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah there. I've, at least in my own ministry, I've, I've been a rector here now for five years. I've been a priest for about ten years now. Um, there are always gems to mine in 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 the catechism, in the articles of religion, um, in, in those those basic things. Um, really most of us probably need to spend more time in that review than in trying to get new, new stuff. Cause there's not a whole lot of new stuff, really. I mean, the new stuff is just details on this foundation anyway. Right. Are we, and, and are we really living into the basics and the old stuff? Oh, almost never. <laughs> right. We're not, hard headed. We, we are hard headed. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you mentioned Luther, Luther's large catechism. <laughs> he actually addresses this issue. And in Luther's sort of way, um, calls calls people out who would think of themselves too educated or too learned to have to do the basics of the catechism. And, and here's what he says. I, I think it's worth quoting. He says, what else are such presumptuous saints who are unwilling to read and study the catechism daily, doing then esteeming themselves much more learned than God himself? with all his saints, <laughs> patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and all Christians. 
For inasmuch as God himself is not ashamed to teach these things daily, as knowing nothing better to teach, and always keeps teaching the same thing, and does not take up anything new or different, and all the saints know nothing better or different to learn, and cannot finish learning this, are we not the finest of all fellows to imagine, if we have once read or heard it, that we know it all, and have no further need to read and learn, but can finish learning in one hour what God himself cannot finish teaching, although he is engaging in teaching it from the beginning to the end of the world, and all prophets, together with all saints, have been occupied with learning it, and have ever remained pupils, and must continue to be such. So that's excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. And I, I know I can, again, in, just in my own ministry, um, the opportunity to teach through this a lot is always keeps it fresh um, through, through, the, through this basic content. Um, there's something about teaching it that um, reminds you how rusty you get. Mm. And th there is a special blessing to teaching. And I would say, actually, if you're just beginning to learn or are in the middle of learning from the catechism or returning to learn it, think about that possibility. Maybe God is calling you to take the next step into being a catechist, which we, we, we went over some of the specialized cate, uh, cate, um, vocabulary earlier, but a catechist is one who teaches the catechism and the catechumenate are those that learn. Um, but maybe the Lord would be calling you to be a lay catechist. I mean, there's such a need for that. I would love yeah. for the Lord to raise up some lay catechists at light of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a wonderful way to express the faith and to, and to bless others through teaching the basics of the faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Isaac, anything else we want to say before we close out our first ever episode of Anglican catechesis? I think this is a really good uh, introduction. Um, if you don't have a copy of to be a Christian, you can download it from uh, as a PDF from the uh, provincial website on anglicanchurch.net, um, and it'll have uh, everything you need, um, but it's also really good to have that nice leather copy that you were floating around earlier. Yes. Or leatherish, uh, or however that goes. Yeah, you can download it for free, but do I, I would say buy it, put it yeah. on, put it on your family altar on your, on your, uh, next to your bed, and there's just something to, to having the book, you know, having the book, and then you can write in the margins and all that great stuff too. Ooh, I don't do that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, sacred to write in the margins. Well, yeah, there's, it's uh, I, I spent too much time among, uh, among Jewish folks when I was in the messianic world where you just never write in your books. <laughs> yeah. I can't, well, I can never be able to get rid of that, which is probably a good learning tool. <laughs> Again, right. That's right. Are all about highlighting everything. <laughs> <laughs> so the pages are literally, literally dripping with, you know, golden highlighter fluid. Um, that, that was how my first Bible I got when I was a teenager. <laughs> I realized, okay, I've highlighted everything. That doesn't help me any. <laughs> it's not helpful, no. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us for Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a comment below. You can also take Anglican Catechesis with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. You can find the link in the YouTube description. Lord willing, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>